General Baptist Ministries has been called by God to exist for the church. We are not here so General Baptist can help us do ministry. We are here to help the church do ministry and to fulfill its commission to make disciples of all nations and preach the good news to every man, woman, boy, and girl. We partner with churches because we believe that we can do more together than any one person or church can do alone. I'm Danny Donovan, president of General Baptist Ministries, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Doing Together. Doing Together is about sharing the ways that General Baptists partner together so that your church can fulfill its calling. Pastor Carl Nichols leads Relevant Church in Locust Grove, Georgia. He and his wife, Julie, planted the church in 2010, and Relevant has grown to make a tremendous impact in their community by addressing what they call the crisis of brokenness. In 2017, Relevant Church was recognized as the 13th fastest growing church in America by Outreach Magazine. Carl is passionate about the gospel. He's passionate about the mission of the church, developing leaders, and building strong leadership culture. Since the start of the pandemic, Carl and Relevant Church have taken the opportunity to encourage and support local pastors in the Atlanta area through a ministry they call the Link Collective. I'm excited also to say that Carl has joined General Baptist Ministries to help us craft a new leadership development system that we will begin, begin implementing later this year. After a recent off-site meeting with our staff, I sat down with Carl to discuss life and ministry and leadership in the church today. I'm joined by the lead pastor of Relevant Church in Locust Drove, Georgia, Carl Nichols. Carl is also contracted with General Baptist Ministries to help us build a, a leadership development system for our churches and our organization. And we're excited, Carl, for you to be here to talk to us on doing together. Yeah, thanks, Danny. I'm excited about being a part of the process. Uh, leadership and culture are some of the things that um, you know we've talked about a lot, and uh, I think we resonate about our, our movement together, what, what, what it looks like that we can you know, build strong leaders together. Good. So uh, tell, tell, um, our, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and about your, your church, your family. So my wife and I both grew up in South Atlanta and uh, child, I should say high school sweethearts and then uh, got married, moved away for, I guess it was close to 10 years and then moved back to South Atlanta to start a church, um, relevant church, just about 30 minutes south. And we have two boys, uh, 14 and 10, Jason Trey, my wife's name is Julie, and uh, been with General Baptist since 2010 when we launched, and uh, it's been um, just been a great partnership in the process. And so currently, man, I think like everybody else, we're learning the new normals of, of church and life and ministry and family uh, as the church ages, as we go through just coming out of a pandemic and even so much so like uh, watching your kids grow up, the church grow up, all those things are, we're, we're just all in a similar journey together right now. Yeah, so tell, say it as, Tell us a little bit about what's relevant about in your community. Wow. So we talked a lot about this um, years ago. When we, once we got our new building, you know, we're a church plan of 11 years old. Somewhere around, I always forget when it was, somewhere around six years, we built our first permanent facility. And now, um, I guess people kind of gave us credibility. We put down roots and the church exploded over the next 18 months. And um, really what we've been able to do is really connect with people who I think a lot of other churches don't connect with. We set out to say we're a church for unchurched people, um, and that quickly became also de-churched people because of a lot of church hurt. And we found out a lot of times in our community, people have tried church. They've been to church. They know a lot about church, and they chose not to go back because of whatever situation. So we've worked really hard to break down walls, and that's kind of grown into um, something we like to call the crisis of brokenness. Um, we're all broken people. Um, humanity's broken. 
but uh, it's a crisis. People, are, their families, their lives are falling apart. And so about three or four years ago, we really set out with an initiative called For the Love, which is for the love of the lonely, the overwhelmed, the vulnerable, the empty, L-O-V-E, and uh, just targeted people who were in um, semi-crisis modes of just like, man, I don't know what to do. And uh, since the pandemic and since everything that's happened over the last 18 to 24 months, man, that has expedited in ways to help people who are hurting, counseling centers, wholeness and healing. And it's that's really becoming what we're known for is helping people find, you know, a, a stability in life through Christ, but really just deal with their junk. That's good. So uh, in uh, your work here with General Baptist Ministries, we're, we're, we're looking at leadership development and uh, I know leadership is something that you're passionate about. So what, whenever you get, if you have to give a definition, what is leadership? Huh. That's a good question. We've wrestled with this uh, even the last few days, and I've talked to Julie about this in the last few weeks. And, you know, the question, you get these snippet answers, and they're all kind of a part of leadership. I remember growing up and hearing, you know, John Maxwell, one of the greatest leaders on the planet, say leadership is influence. Well, what? let's unpack that. What does that mean? And so I think sometimes we've tried to make leadership so simple that it's, a, it's pretty complex, really. And uh, so we've really kind of crafted even some conversations uh, as, as, as a team to say, like, what are we saying when we say leadership? I think another thing is discipleship. What is discipleship? I mean, that's a hard one that I think churches yeah. have to wrestle with. So if I can just kind of simplify a working definition we chose to work from is that, you know, it's really the capacity of, of someone to be able to look and see desired outcomes based on a problem or a situation or a need and then move people, intentionally move people toward uh, achieving those desired outcomes. And so that can be small, that can be a weekend retreat, that can be a long-term journey, that can be starting a church, leading a church, growing a church, planting a church, whatever it may be. And so some some leaders just, uh, maybe leadership tasks per se may last a short time, some last over the lifetime, but at the depth of what leadership is, it's that movement toward the desired outcomes. Good. Um, so in your, this idea about leadership development, how, why do you think that developing leaders is important? Okay, so I wrestle with this one a lot because I think um, there are natural born leaders and then there are leaders that uh, grow into their leadership. And some people are just, you know, they're not, they say, I'm not a leader, and they may be right. Other people say they're not a leader, and it's just because they've never been tapped. And so I think there's two components of leadership. One is you have a natural born leader who their innate wiring is whatever room you put them in, they're going to lead. They don't have to be the leader in the room, but they're going to lead from the middle of the pack. They're going to lead from whatever seat they sit in. And to some degree, I found myself in that role, and it's a very unique role. It's hard. But with those leaders, there's a development process on character and awareness. There's some development that goes even into natural-born leaders that if they don't deal with those things, it can undermine. And then you have people who maybe aren't as natural-born, but they have it in them somewhere to be developed. Um, I think sometimes we've either oversimplified or even overcomplicated at times this conversation about leadership, not really giving people the right tools and the right conversations to grow into um, whatever level of leader they can be. And for all of us, that could be different. And so I think the passion comes from the fact that we we really don't have a great um, access. I mean, there's so much information out there that is almost too much. So where do you start? So my passion is really to, to, to hone this thing down, simplify what is uh, necessary from the emotional side to the spiritual side to the theological side, all the things that we talk about, then the practical skills of allowing people to say, okay, I see this, this problem. I see what needs to be met. I can kind of project what needs to happen, these desired outcomes, and now I'm going to move people in a direction towards that. Um, and so we just don't have a lot of people that know how to do that, and I'm 
but I think they, they have it in them to know how to do that. So um, <clears throat> leadership development, I know, is something that it's important not only to you individually, but it's part of the how it, it aligns with the vision of your church. So mm-hmm. can you talk about how that works? Yeah, so years ago in ministry, we spent a lot of time on vision. Um, and we'd write vision, and we'd talk about vision, and we'd come up with these three to five to ten-year vision plans. And they got on paper, but there seemed to be no, like, real, like, takeoff. You know, how do you really get this thing off the ground? And so the pastor would preach about it. They'd talk about it in meetings, but they really didn't do two things. And I think these are two major components of leadership. One is they didn't raise up the leaders necessary to actually fulfill whatever that was. But I think underneath all that was they didn't have the culture right to raise up leaders. Hmm. So I've always said it this way, a good vision dies in a bad culture. Um, I'll give an example for our listeners because that's a, that's a loaded statement. And usually when I say things, people say, can you unpack that? So let me unpack that for a minute. In every, every home has a culture. Every business has, has a culture. Every country, every city um, you know, Atlanta's different than maybe the Midwest. And so here in Atlanta, there's a culture. And so I think a culture is really a set of behaviors that ultimately create how people interact and respond and, you know, what, what maybe cultural roots things have. And so when you apply that to leadership or when you apply it to an organization or a family unit, here's what I would say. My home has a culture. Uh, it is up to my, me and my wife specifically to set the culture and the tone of our home. And so if we have a bad culture, um, then nothing grows. Nothing healthy grows in that culture. But if we have a strong culture, we in a healthy culture, things can grow from that. And so if, for example, I say, um, I want my kids to grow up, um, I want my oldest son to grow up and be a doctor and go to this university, and I want him to do, and I lay out this whole vision for his life, but in my house, I talk down to him and scream at him and yell at him and create a culture, he's not going to fulfill that vision. On the flip side, if I say to my oldest Hey, buddy, I don't. I just want you to love Jesus, love your wife, and do whatever God sets in front of you to the best of your ability. But I cultivate and create a culture in my home where that can take root of love and nurturing and grace and truth. Now, all of a sudden, that good culture allows that just average everyday, hey, just, just do what God, simple vision to thrive in his life. So that's the same thing in any organization. We can talk about leadership. We can talk about vision. But if you don't create a leadership culture, that's, that's a, a, going to be the undermining of, I think, the organization. And so for me, about five years ago, we started wrestling with, okay, we have volunteers. We have a great volunteer culture, and that's what happens in church plants. You set up, you tear down, you set up, you tear down, you go two services, three services, four services. Everything is volunteer, volunteer, volunteer. And if you're not careful, you'll get a lot of doers and no leaders. And so we started realizing we have a lot of people doing a lot of things. But for us to continue to grow, and for me as a pastor, and I know this is a conversation in our movement uh, that everybody wrestles with, is to leave a legacy, I don't need a bunch of doers. I need people who can see the end, see the desired outcomes, and move people to that. So we developed a leadership pipeline, a leadership culture, and I would say in our church, that's one of the things you tangibly can tell when you're on our Yeah, definitely. I've I've told you this before, the first time that I visited Relevant, that was the, the... first takeaway that I had, it was how strong the culture was in, the, in your church. And then it, um, I thought, I told you then, I thought you were one of the best cultural architects that mm. I, I knew in our, in our movement. So I appreciate that. It's, um, it's probably the hardest thing that I, and the most consistent thing that I do um, to the point of culture. I, we spend twice as much time on culture as we do on vision. Yeah. Very good. 
All right. So as you look out down the road, uh, 10 years, what do you think are the biggest challenges, uh, that leaders in the church face? Well, um, if you'd asked me that three years ago, I might've missed this one, um, or missed a component of this one. So I think there's two or three things that, that we face. First of all, um, there is a lack of leadership that's been going on for a while. Um, a lack of development of young leaders. I don't really have the answer as to why this happens. I think maybe some of our more seasoned leaders don't take the time or the intentionality, or they think it happens by accident. And most of the time it doesn't happen by accident. I think when you get a strong leader that's younger than you, it can be intimidating to some. And sometimes we try to just keep that. I remember being a young leader that I felt like I have a lot of potential and was felt like I was pushed away. Part of that could have been my fault. Part of that could have been, you know, the leaders around me. But I think sometimes we push strong leaders away out of insecurity. So I think that leadership component is a, a huge conversation to have. And if we don't have good leaders, where's the church going to go in the future? What's going to happen when I retire, when pastors retire, when right. something happens to me and, you know, it's time for somebody to step in? So that's that's one of the things. I think the other one is bad theology. Um, you know, you and I joke a lot about uh, theology sometimes, but I think here's the problem. Bad theology and poor leadership, what's the future of the church look like? Yeah, It's a scary thing. Now, add on top of that the magnitude of the mental health crisis. Hmm. We, so now you got people, all of us have broken, and so I'm saying this kind of tongue-in-cheek loosely, that we're not, we're not all emotionally healthy. We're not, or maybe we, now we're trying to be leaders that are not healthy, and now we're trying to preach theology that we don't, that now you got TikTok theology that's out there, 60-second theology. Um, oh, it's deal with the emotional health have a strategic plan for leadership and for the love of, of I say this, you know, this is not a saying, for the love of God and the love of, you know, the, the, the word of God, like just to stick to the truths of God's word. Don't try to, I don't know, don't try to take the Bible and make it say something it doesn't. So what, what have you learned about leadership during the, the COVID-19 pandemic? So let's talk about leaders and leadership in general, and then we'll talk about some specifics. I mean, the first thing I learned is that leaders are lonely. Hmm. Leadership is a lonely place because you see, feel, and experience. I think the higher level a leader you become, or the even sometimes, even if it is just the title you carry, but you're in a certain seat, nobody sees everything you do. Nobody feels what you do. Nobody feels the weight of relevant church. My wife would be the closest to that, and I don't I mean, I protect her from things, too, because I don't want her to carry all of that. So if nobody can see and feel and understand like you, it can be a very lonely place. And so um, you have to find like-minded people who can at least sympathize and empathize. That's one of the things I love about Jesus is he came, he took on human likeness so that he could sympathize with our weaknesses, be tempted in every way just as we are. We have a high priest who understands us, and that's the joy of Jesus. I think when we go and we come with our brokenness, like, He's like, I got it. I get it. But who's that person we can sit in front of? And I think other pastors that can walk through this with you. And most people have a lot of people they talk about ministry with, but they don't do life with mm. in ministry. And so pastors are lonely. That's one of the, the just biggest takeaways. 38% of pastors um, in 2021 considered resigning or stepping away. We know the great resignation is happening across our country. We know that pastors are burnt out um, and it's going to impact the church as well. So place the pastors are in. So just related to that, we opened up our staff meetings and started something called Link Collective. We're pouring into pastors, investing in a future, investing in time, and really seeing coaching 
think is there's some coaching components too, but more of encouraging and um, passing along knowledge and, and, and maybe things that are working to pastors in our community. That's been a huge success of networking, not networking for the sake of networking, but like genuinely building authentic relationships. Yeah. So that's the first thing I would say that really, from a big picture standpoint, I noticed in the church world. Um, the second thing, obviously, this has nothing to do with leadership, but the, the mental health crisis we talked about. We'll, we'll leave that one aside because we got to lead people through that, but that's not a leadership conversation. But as far as leadership lessons that I've learned, I believe this, I believe, and I've taught this to several teams of staff and things, that I believe, number one, a crisis is a great opportunity for change, hmm. um, especially when the crisis is drawn out like it was. Um, there's a lot of people that no matter what you do, they're going to come back and say, this ain't the way it used to be. <laughs> You're right, it's not. So why not just make it what it needs to be? They're going to come back and say it anyway. Uh, people are also, they've been, uh, where I'm at in Atlanta, man, they were isolated for a long time, a very diverse community. So there's a lot of, uh, people were delayed in returning to their daily activities, uh, unlike some areas of our country. And uh, so we just said, okay, let's just pretend like we were starting a church today. What, what would we not do? And here's the reality. We didn't have the people to do everything we used to do. We didn't have the, the time, the energy, some of the resources. We Everybody's kind of up in the air of a lot of things. So we just said, what are we going to do? We just started from scratch. And what is important to us? And so, you know what? Nobody's really asked. They don't really have expectations because you, if you lead in times of crisis, people follow you for who you are, not all that you did. And so that's what we did. We said, this is who we are. This is how we're going to help. And, of course, we dug into the mental health crisis. Okay. So that whole conversation... And then the other thing I would say that I've learned during this crisis that uh, there's about six things that I talk about, but here's the one that I think stands out the most. Too many churches have had a copy and paste mentality. So rather than doing the hard thing when they see, oh, we need a desired outcome, leaders have taken the shortcuts and said, let's just go copy somebody else's stuff and try to produce that desired outcome rather than saying, here's the desired outcome. Let's do the hard work of taking people there with us and developing our own stuff. Yeah. And so when everything fell apart, and I'm not going to name any you know systems. Everybody can do their own research. Where did you steal your crap from is what I would say. Where did you grab all your stuff and just try to apply it to your church? And then when COVID hit and the pandemic hit and you look and you say, wait a second, that don't work. And you went to look to that other church. They don't have a pandemic manual. Mm-hmm. You can't copy a pandemic manual. And there's so many people that are lost. And we have had inundate, been inundated with how are you doing this? What are you doing this? We struggle with this. We, I think, we're not perfect at this, but we saw these things and began doing the hard things initially to prepare. Now we're able to help other churches. And I tell them, do not copy this. I'm not handing this to you turnkey. I need you to do the hard work of developing it. So I think those are just, that's three or four things, um, but 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 I think they all carry a lot of the same weight. Good. So uh, how are you growing as a leader right now? What are you what are you doing to, to continue to grow as a leader? So there's two, two things I would say. One is personal. One is, um, well, they're both personal, I guess. One, I've, um, you know, we talk about moving people toward desired outcomes. I think one of the greatest things a leader can do is understand when they've hit their lid or when they've hit their lid in a certain area and when they're saying, yeah, I just need somebody to process. I need an outside voice here. And so, you know, coming out of the pandemic, um, and I've always told our staff, when we go, we're putting our foot on the gas and we're not looking back. So I need you spiritually, emotionally. I need all these things healthy in your life. So let's deal with them. And I stepped into a very pastoral role with our staff. But when it came time to put your foot on the gas, they're always that second guessing because you're like, are we ready for this? And so I hired a coach. 
And I said, uh, will you come in and just assess kind of, and I didn't tell him anything. I didn't tell him to watch this or do this or do that. I just said, help me process what you're seeing and what you're feeling. Somebody who's done ministry on a much larger scale uh, than I have. And the reality is it gave me a confidence to assess, am I missing something? Um, I've heard somebody say every pastor needs a pastor, every coach needs a coach. And I think, uh, I don't think you need a coach every day of your life, but I think there are definite seasons where it's like, hey, I need to work on this skill or this task or this developmental thing in my life. Mm -hmm. So I've hired a coach. Um, that's helping me process, uh, uh, I will say we think a lot alike, but I also think that um, there's some gift sets that he has that's, that take me deeper in areas that I need to go. And so that's helped me manage my team and staff and become a better and more confident leader in this season. The second thing I would say is doing a hard thing in that the there's two things that I think are, and I'll be very careful um, not to go too much into these two things because uh, you can chase rabbit trails uh, leaders are learners, and I think yeah. really, truly understanding mental health is so vital. Not just talking about it and not pretending like we'll just go over here. Like doing the hard work of learning and then learning so that I can lead in that has been a huge proponent. That also tells me digging deep in my own life, our team digging deep into their life and doing hard things and leading that. And the other is, let's be transparent, the gender identity crisis, the LGBTQ community. There's a lot of unanswered questions that, listen, I just quite frankly feel uneducated about and feel um, in my neck of the woods, it's uh, it's one of the biggest things we face. And so we're tackling it, but the learning curve and the leadership navigation of that's very hard. So it's taking me just walking delicately through those things. Um, if you could encourage other leaders with just one idea, what would it be? Mm, I think, so in 2020, one every year we kind of come out of um, the year and just dream. It's nothing new. Um, I don't remember who started this, but it's, it's pretty something. People go into a fast and pray and ask God for a phrase or a word. So coming, I usually try to take December and really hone in on those words or phrases. So in 2020, coming into 2021, I felt like God said to me, "You're going to have to do some hard things." Hmm. And I shared that with our staff, and I was like, "I don't know what this means, <laughs> but I need to do hard things." And it's crazy because the staff embodied that entire statement. And I think I didn't know what 2021 would look like. I didn't know some of the things that we would be going through as an organization and some of the uh, outside, I think, um, resistance to we're in a new building. There's a lot of things that have happened, and I had to navigate some things as a leader there. And I was going to have to do some hard things internally, have to do some hard things as a leader, have to make some hard decisions as a church. And uh, I think that gave me strength to do that. And so I'm not God, I'm not the Holy Spirit in people's lives, but I think um, if I could say to leaders and pastors, I would say do hard things. Do the things that that you don't wanna do sometimes. Um, don't just fall on the road of building a big church or growing your church or having more people or doing a cool outreach. Like do the hard things that are gonna build the culture that you're trying to build because um, it's pretty easy to get caught up in just copy, paste, you know, you know, repeat. And, and I think I'll say forever that we haven't done that. Um, I, I will use somebody else's sermon before I'll use somebody else's system hmm. because I think the systems are the harder work sometimes. And some people say a lot of things a lot better than I say them, but I think we can develop our own systems for our community a lot better than somebody from the outside of the community are. So that's just the do hard things conversation is a, is a, is a, is a thing that we're still doing. And um, personally, organizationally, leadership, and those things. So probably maybe that thing you've been pushing off, do it 
do it with confidence, good. and um, you know, make sure that you do it with the right attitude and the right spirit. It's good. Um, so, a little different topic. Uh, why why is being connected with General Baptists something that's important to you? Well, Danny, I think in two thousand and seven, six. I went through a mini depression in my life. I wrapped up my identity and what I did versus who I was in Christ. And I think it's funny because I think some of the struggles that people have that we've even talked about, whether it's a gender identity issue or whether they're addicted to something or they have, they've wrapped up in codependency or something, that's really what it comes down to is we don't know who we are in Christ. And, uh, and so I had wrapped up my identity in what, what I did. And then we went through Hurricane um, on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, Hurricane Katrina. And from that, um, it rocked me. Man, we had a massive youth ministry that went to nothing and felt like God spoke to me and said, if you want to win the family, you want to win these kids, you got to win their fathers. And so from that, birth Relevant Church. Um, it was a three-year process. When it came time to start Relevant Church, I think leaders are learners. I started piling up the books and listening to everything I could, but I needed needed somebody to believe in me. Um, Sure, we could have went in alone and done it a different way, probably. But I needed the support that was needed. Uh, just first of all, the the people to say you can do this was important. But we would have tried it anyway. But it sure was a lot easier when you had somebody walk through that with you. So we went to an assessment um, through General Baptist and uh, really built our confidence in that because I mean a lot of people walk away from those assessments going, "This is not for me." Kind of validated from my wife Julie and I that this was us. So that began a relationship that. Um, I'm a very loyal person. I think loyalty is underestimated or um, even, I don't think a lot of people are loyal. They're loyal for what they can get from you. Not a lot of times just loyal because. And uh, you know, General Babis in the last 11, 12 years has been through a lot of changes. Still working through some changes. But at the core of who I am, I know that um, we wouldn't be here today without General Babis. And you know, there's been seasons uh, like any organization where you go, man, I really wish we could we could change directions. I really wish we could push forward. And it's good to see some of those things happening in various areas. But the reality is, is man, this is this is our family. Um, too many people had FOMO and YOLO in this season of like, oh, if I can just go start over here, build this relationship here, get married here, go to this church here. I think that's just, I think it's superficial. I think it's immature. And I think maturity says stick things out and, and put roots down. And so that's what we've done. And uh, through General Baptist, through GBIF, through the relationships and friendships we have with other pastors, I think it's a, I mean, you talk about the culture of relevant church, it wouldn't be that without those people. That's great. Well, I'm, uh, <clears throat> so, uh, was, Carl, I just want to say thank you for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Looking forward to uh, hearing you preach at the summit this year. Yeah, uh, you'll fun. be preaching on Wednesday night at the summit. And uh, I, although I know you said that you'd never preach on the last night of the summit. So, uh, I, I, by the way, I've said the same thing. I'll never do that again. So, yeah, there's a caveat here. Um, <laughs> everybody seems to cut out um, sometime about Wednesday afternoon. I know we've made some changes. Things starting a little later and uh, we've moved some things to Wednesday night to really make sure people get the full experience because, uh, you know, it is. People are taking time away from their families and want to make the most of that time. But yeah, when, when Chris asked me, hey, man, don't say no. You've already said no before, but I need to ask you to do something. <laughs> I said, you got to give me more. And so, yeah, just having some of the things that are happening Wednesday night, people, I think, will stick around. Yeah. And if you don't, we'll hunt you down. There you go. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us on this episode of Doing Together. Thank you, buddy. Yep. 
I want to thank my friend Carl Nichols for joining me on this episode of the podcast. As we continue through 2022, uh, we are going to be sharing a new vision for developing leaders for the church that I believe will set us up for a stronger and healthier future. On the next episode of Doing Together, we will be sharing a conversation between Mark Powell and our missionaries in Honduras, Christina Massey and Rodney and Teresa Walls. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you're using to access our content, and please leave us a review. Thanks for listening, and we will see you on the next episode of Doing Together. Doing Together.